Let's pray. I'm wearing a new Dear Father in heaven, we ask you, as we do each time we come together, even multiple times on the same day, to be in our midst. We ask you to direct us, to guide us, lead us. Fill this room now and remind us that even as we engage in the business of the church, we are about your business. Help us to better proclaim your finished work to this worn out world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, welcome to our fifth annual meeting of Grace Anglican Church. As we begin, we orient you to our very simple agenda this morning. First, I'll make my rector's report in which I'll review the things we said we would do in 2023 and talk a little bit about what we're going to plan to do as we go forward into 2024. Uh, After my presentation, Rolinda will give a senior warden's report followed by John Fiddler with a treasurer's report. Just a brief word for those of you for whom this might be your first meeting with us. Uh, As it has been in years past, the report presented today at the annual meeting will be a sort of year-to-date state of the finances report, not the presentation of a budget for 2024. You'll have a reminder on there of our 2023 budget for the year-to-date Budget versus actual comparison that will give you an idea of how we're doing this year as we as compared to how we plan to do. We're going to have another parish meeting, a shorter one in the spring at which we will present and talk about a 2024 budget. But John and I will be happy to answer any questions about where we stand in terms of our 2023 budget here in a few minutes. And then finally, after our treasurer's report, we will hold our vestry elections. Um, As I've been saying, so I hope that you know, um, the founding vestry served as a unit for three years in order to give this church the stability it needed to get off on a good footing. Beginning two years ago, though, those founding members began to rotate off. And since we have an odd number of vestry members, seven, we elected two new members two years ago and two last year, and we'll elect three new vestry members today. And after today's election, all of the founding vestry members will have rotated off, and everyone will now serve a three-year term going forward. So Rolinda Greger and Rebecca Bora were both on the founding vestry. They've been serving on the vestry for more than five years. Uh, James Kneinenbelt, who I don't see here today, has been serving not quite since the very, very beginning, but for a nice long time himself, Uh, but more on that in a few minutes. Now, I announced a couple months ago that the nominating committee had nominated Marsha Harlow, Allison Piquet, and Mark Compton to replace our three vestry members who are rotating off, and as I announced at that time, our bylaws do do allow for nominations from the floor, but our bylaws define the floor as being received by the vestry in writing no less than three weeks prior to the annual meeting and accompanied by the endorsement of 10 voting eligible members. Having not received any such nominations, we will elect Marcia, Allison, and Mark by acclamation to the three vestry seats vacated by Rolinda, Rebecca, and James, but that's not till the end of the meeting. We still have a lot to get to before we get there. So my rector's report. I want to review for you the things we said we'd do in 2023 with just a few updates for 2024. 
Our plan, as I said at last year's annual meeting, was one, to move further toward a more permanent home. Two, to continue developing our discipleship curriculum for youth and young adults. Three, to deepen our mission partnerships. Four, continue expanding our ministry opportunities for ordained clergy. Five, further develop the Cranmer Fellowship for those seeking to discern a call to ordination in the ACNA. And six, institute a ministry of fellowship dinners in the church. That's what I said we were going to do in 2023 last year. So how did we do? Well, a few of these I'm actually going to address only very briefly, although I'm more than happy to talk at length with anyone who has further questions about any of these things. Um, Item one, a permanent church home. Now, as I'm sure you'll notice, we are, like last year, still worshiping in a school cafeteria, though one that now has a beautiful marble floor. Uh, We do not own a building of our own, nor do we own land upon which we might build one. We have, though, moved closer to those goals, in my view, in the sense that we have continued to be good stewards of our financial resources, having a surplus budget each year and saving in a building fund, and we plan to be ready to move when the right thing comes along. We've looked at a number of church properties for sale over the last year, And as has been the case since we began this search, the truth is that church properties are almost always for sale because their congregations have dwindled away to nothing and haven't been taking care of the building for decades. Suffice to say, we have not yet found the right thing. The Highlands Latin School is still at least tentatively planning on building, like I said last year, a more formal performance worship space on this campus That would be a great intermediate option for us, allowing us to outgrow this room while continuing to save for something permanent of our own. But rest assured, we still have a commercial realtor with his eye out. We have a commercial real estate experienced parishioner with his eye out even more. And we're still looking. If the right thing comes along, we'll be ready. And we will certainly keep you as the congregation informed. In the meantime, though, there is something that I'd like you to do. The vestry and I recently actually looked at a church that wasn't completely falling apart. It's kind of shocking, actually, and it forced us to ask questions we'd never really had to ask ourselves before, like, what kind of church are we? What is our identity? Are we a church called to a particular area of town or not? Do we need to have a big parking lot? Do we need to avoid areas that might seem unsafe at night? What counts as unsafe at night? Or do we feel called to minister specifically in areas like that? Should we be looking at churches that already exist, ones that might not suit us perfectly? Or should we be looking more at land on which we can build a church that we design, something that would meet our needs more exactly? Should the carpets be blue or red? Okay, that last one was a joke. (laughs) But as the vestry talked... And we'll continue to talk within itself about these questions. We found that we were trying to guess what the congregation at large felt or might feel about potential properties. We didn't really know. So what I'm asking you to do is, if you have strong feelings about property ownership, things like where we need to be, what kind of building we need to have, etc., other than carpet color, please have a conversation with a vestry member about it. Now, to be clear... Expressing your opinion to a vestry member 
does not guarantee that you are guaranteed to get the exact church that you desire. This will ultimately be the kind of thing that the vestry and I will have to prayerfully, prayerfully evaluate opportunity by opportunity. I'm sure that if we get close on something, the congregation will be more involved, but this is the exact kind of thing that you elect a vestry for, to work with me in mutual ministry for the benefit of the church. But please do have these conversations with the vestry. We do want to know what you think. Having said all that, I feel like I need to say one more thing, R.E., the building. It remains true that five years in a school cafeteria is on the extreme low end of the church planting growth arc. The fact that we are even able to have these kinds of conversations now is evidence of the great blessing of the Lord on our church. Most church plants are in schools and cafeterias for much longer Not that we aren't still, we are still, but for much longer than five or six or even seven or eight years. We are on a beautiful campus, hosted by a school that pays the utilities, takes care of the snow, lets us meet in the evenings and have special events at no extra charge, and is theologically supportive as well. We even have inside storage. So we are in a good place, and I want to remind us of that, and we are grateful to God for it. Moving on now with our 2023 goals. Our second stated goal was our discipleship curriculum for youth and young adults. I do have a brief update here, which is that we've sort of gotten hung up on teaching our youth how to read the Bible. Last year, I described our plan, which involved writing 10 separate modules, including semesters on Anglican identity, comparative religions, church history, and more. One of those modules was a study of hermeneutics, or strategies for reading, and it was called How to Read the Bible. In fact, Michael Neal, our director of family ministry, was teaching through that module at the time of our last annual meeting. But when he got done with that semester, he realized he wasn't done teaching our youth how to read the Bible. So with my blessing, he went right on going, and he's still doing it. Now, we're still building a curriculum that will exist forever, but it'll look different than we originally planned. That's actually one of the beautiful things about starting a church from scratch like this. You can be flexible. And I can't think of anything more valuable than teaching our youth to be good Bible readers. So I'm all for this. We're just going to continue teaching them how to read the Bible. Maybe that's all we'll ever do, but that's a worthwhile thing to do. A third are mission partnerships. These have solidified nicely over the last year. Uh, We support Refuge International locally here in Louisville. On a national level, we support both Samir Penadir, he's a staff worker with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, training other staff to share the gospel with Muslim students. And we support Mission Hope West Virginia, a church planting movement our diocese has undertaken in Appalachia amongst very needy people. And internationally, we continue to be partnered with the Nyagatare Archdeaconry in Gahini Diocese in Rwanda. And you can find more details about all of those partnerships on our website. Two updates uh, on the mission partnerships front. Uh, For at least this fall semester, possibly into the spring, we're going to be taking a break from what we have called, well, what Refuge International calls co-journeying, which is walking side by side with a family newly arrived to the U.S., helping them navigate the first few months of life here. 
We have cojourned with five different families now, pretty much one right after the other, and it's time for a break. We want to give our regular volunteers a break. We want to give our coordinator, Rachel Van Dyke, a break. We would like to raise up some new people who want to minister to refugees through Refuge International. Uh, to that end, even though we're taking a break from co-journing for a little bit, I want to promote three ministry opportunities that Refuge International offers and ask you to think and pray about whether you might be called to participate in one of them. The first is a ministry called Right Start. And it's a ministry which involves reading children's Bible storybooks to refugee kids and then allowing them to read to you. Super simple, super rewarding and fun. Uh, English mentoring is a second opportunity. That's one-on-one English practice with a refugee in their home. And finally, Conversation Club is English practice with refugees in one of the Refuge International Welcome Centers. Now, more info about these opportunities is available on the Refuge International website, which you can link to from our website. These opportunities, again, are Right Start, English Mentoring, and Conversation Club. These are great sort of toe-in-the-water, first-step ways to get involved with refugees. And then once we, once we start co-journing again, which I'm sure we'll do before too long, um, you might find that it's less intimidating than it was before. So stay tuned about co-journing. I also want to briefly update you on Rwanda. I was actually able to go to Rwanda in April and was able to meet with Bishop Manasseh of Gahini Diocese. And he's desperate, but in a really endearing and exciting way. For a group of us, even if it's only a very small group, he said even just one or two people, he wants desperately for us to go over there and connect with our partnering archdeaconry to see how we might minister together. There are groups of American churches. We're part of a ministry team with five other Anglican churches called Friends of Kahini. There are groups of Americans going over to Rwanda pretty regularly, so we wouldn't have to go on our own. We even have missionaries there living in Kigali from our diocese now to coordinate. Um, They were here and they gave a presentation several months ago, which again, you can find on our website. So we have all of these ways, these connections, and, and lest I forget to mention, we have money to help pay for you to go over there. We have funds set aside for travel to Rwanda because we want to establish this relationship. So we're, we're trying to lower the fences. This doesn't have to be scary or expensive uh, for you. It will be expensive for us, but that's fine. This is the kind of thing that we want to spend our money on. And what I'm saying is, please consider going to Rwanda. This is the kind of partnership that really won't get off the ground until some folks go and come back brimming with stories and cell phones full of exciting photographs, able to tell the rest of us how great it was. My hope is that we'll eventually, years down the road, be sending a team every year. But in order for us to get there, we're going to have to start small. So if any one or two of you want to go to Rwanda, I would love to help you go. So please do think about it, pray about it, talk to me about it. Uh, The fourth thing that we said we would do this year is expand opportunities for other clergy at Grace. We don't have too much to report here, except that since our last annual meeting, uh, the Reverend Jacob Davis has been hired part-time 
as assisting clergy for pastoral care. You may have noticed that he's been the point person in reaching out to you, the congregation, and connecting with you for prayer needs. He also coordinates our intercessory prayer team as well as our acolyte ministry. Now, he and I will be meeting to discuss 2024 in more detail soon, but suffice it to say we have had preliminary conversations and I expect him to continue in those roles next year. Uh, Both David Brannon and Todd Weedman are still here with us, serving as needed, which is a great blessing to me and to our church. Uh, Fifth, the Cranmer Fellowship and discerning calls to ministry. Um, The Cranmer Fellowship is something that I borrowed from another church with whom I am friends. It's a pre-ordination process, discernment process. So um, because of our situation here in Louisville, we get a lot of people called to ministry who came to Louisville to attend the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary who over the course of their study there feel drawn to Anglicanism. And as a ministry to the ACNA to um, ensure that clergy who come into our church are well-prepared and know what they're getting into. Um, We have created this Cranmer Fellowship, which involves um, reading books with me, having conversations with me, working around the church in order to make sure that we know who they are and they know who we are and so that everybody's on the same page and the future of the Anglican Church in North America is well cared for. our, since our last annual meeting, Zachary Miguel completed his Cranmer Fellowship. He is now in seminary at Trinity School for Ministry, my alma mater. Michael Neal has almost finished his fellowship, and we have a few others who are considering it. So please do pray for all of them, for their discernment, as well as for me, and for the leadership of this church as we seek to prepare well candidates for ministry in this arm of Christ's church. Uh, Sixth, the final thing we said we would do in 2023 were fellowship dinners. Well, these went well, although like anything that's begun for the first time, uh, the energy kind of petered out toward the end of the school year and over the summer. Now, I'd like to try it again, though. Um, I'm going to be recruiting a new set of hosts for fall to spring 2023, 2024. This time, I'm going to focus not so much on the people that I think ought to be hosts, but on people who actually feel like this would be a fruitful ministry for them. So I want you all to think and pray about whether or not you would like to open your home to a group of people from church five or six times over the next year. And uh, there's not going to be any agenda to these. This is just getting to know one another so that we can together build up the body of Christ. And then after you've prayed and thought about it, come talk to me. I would love to um, get this up again. Um, My prayer is that we'll have a handful of new hosts for this year and we'll be in each other's homes again. And of course, I should say that there's no need to wait for a program to invite people from church into your home and into your life. It's a great blessing and a joy, and I highly recommend it. Okay, that's how we did in 2023, at least as regards what we said we were going to do. I think we were very much blessed by God in 2023. I will say, as we turn our attention to 2024, that I'm going to take pretty much all those things that, that I just talked about 
sort of off the state of the church chalkboard. They're going to keep happening, of course. And as things change, I'll be updating you and reporting to you. Um, But I don't want to get to the point where every time we do something, I'm adding a 14th or 15th or 16th point to the annual meeting. And we're, we're still rehearsing every single thing that we've ever tried to do every time we come together. So just sort of take it as a rule that we're going to keep working toward permanent space. We're going to keep forming our youth. We're going to keep reaching out in mission. We're going to keep raising up leaders for ministry and so on. All of these things will continue, but I don't feel like I have to update you on the details every single year. So I say all that to warn you that I don't have any big new plans for 2024. We're going to keep being the church of Jesus Christ, his body on earth in 2024, and that's going to be quite enough. Thank you very much. (laughs) Our 2024 vision is the unchanging and always fresh vision of our church and of faithful Anglican churches everywhere. We will continue always to proclaim Christ's finished work to a worn out world, which is how we say it. But that's just continuing the weekly gathering of the body of Christ coming before a holy God and confessing our sins, reading the Bible, hearing the good news about Jesus Christ, and celebrating God's forgiveness of our sins in Holy Communion, eating bread and drinking wine that symbolize Jesus' body and blood broken and shed for us. We will continue to study the Bible, submitting ourselves to it, and allowing God's word to make disciples of us. Michael Neal is currently teaching through Leviticus after church, And um, in the spring, Jacob Davis is going to be following up on our wonderful fall retreat with a class on the Bible and the prayer book. And then my plan is to have us study Revelation next year. So that's something to look forward to. The men studied it a year or two ago, and it was so good that I'd love the whole church to experience it. Um, I'm currently in the middle of the biblical worldview class, which is really exciting Uh, The topics that we're covering in that class, identity, sexuality, justice, roles and relationships of men and women in the home and in the church, are certainly controversial ones. But I've been so energized by the realization that we need, because the world needs, to know, believe, and share what God says about these things. Our God is not silent about the things our world is arguing about. He has not left us in the dark. Of course, our men's and women's Bible studies are continuing as well. Our men are studying John and the women are studying Colossians. Um, We will continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our neighborhood, with our city, with our world. These are the non-negotiables and they will continue unabated. Okay, I'm going to pause here, say a brief word as I do each year about membership and stewardship, and then turn the floor over to Rolinda and John for their reports. So first, membership. People wonder what church membership is for. Church membership is important. I think officially joining a local church body is a reflection of the gospel. It's an outward demonstration of being united to Christ in the way that we are united together as a church. It also follows the pattern of the New Testament. In the earliest days of the Christian church, people gathered into groups likely in homes, mostly in homes, I should say, to care for each other, to break bread and share the cup of Christ together as Jesus commanded, and to hear the good news proclaimed. 
Also, membership in a church gives Christians an opportunity to exercise their gifts. In and through the church, we minister to each other and to the world. Now, how do you join this church? Well, membership at Grace involves signing a membership covenant, which you have available on that blue table there in the back. Uh, The membership covenant includes a commitment of belief in which you confirm that you are a Christian and desire to be a Christian worshiping in an Anglican community. It also involves a commitment of practice in which you commit and promise to live in community with us. In other words, other sinners attending worship, studying the word of God, participating in the life of the church and so on. Now, in addition to signing the membership covenant, members of Grace Church are baptized in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, have completed the exploration class, which I teach each spring and have filled out a current year pledge card actively making a financial promise to support the life of the church. Currently, just a few stats for your information, we have 164 people that we count as regular attenders. Uh, that includes 117 members of whom 100, oh, sorry, of whom 44 are children and 10 are teenagers. That means that some of those regular attenders have not taken one or more of the steps required to become formal members. That is pledging, attending the exploration class, or actually taking the time to fill out a covenant. So if you haven't filled out a membership covenant yet, I hope you'll consider doing so. Join us officially as we proclaim Christ's finished work to a worn-out world. Now, in addition to the membership covenants, that table has pledge cards on it. As I said, making a financial promise to support the life of the church is an integral part of what it means to be a member of a church. But I should be clear that you don't have to be a member to pledge. And you don't have to fill... Oh, yeah. Uh, there's always questions about this. You do not need to fill out a new membership covenant each year. I keep those on file. You're a member until we bury you. <laughs> um, you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. Um, we do, though, ask for a new pledge card every year just to help us in our planning for the next year of church life together. But your membership covenant stays in effect year over year. So my hope is that as you listen to some of those things that I described that we're doing, you heard things that you were excited about. You heard about ministry that you want to support, not only with your money, of course, but with your time and energy, your hard work. So pray about filling out a pledge card for 2024 and supporting our ongoing work. Today is the kickoff of what we have traditionally called our Not a Stewardship Campaign campaign, or what I'm really trying to make stick, our Not a Stewardship Campaign campaign. We call it that because traditional stewardship campaign campaigns have good stewardship as their goal. But good stewardship is not exactly our goal. Indeed, The biblical passage that we take as our controlling illustration for stewardship is Jesus' interaction with a rich young man in Mark chapter 10. You probably all know the story. He wanted to know what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. And eventually Jesus told him to sell everything he had, give the proceeds to the poor, and follow him. Lay down all you have. Give everything away. That's what good stewardship actually is. Only stewardship like that counts as good. But every single thing is a calling too holy for any of us. We are not going to get that far, though we strive for it, though we ought to strive for it and pray 
we know that we will all fall short of that standard. So in stewardship, as in everything else, we find that we must rely on Christ's righteousness and not our own. But here's the good news and where stewardship actually gets really fun. Because now that you're reliant on Christ's righteousness and not trying to build up a righteousness of your own, now you're not going to be giving to show God how good you are or to score points with him. Now you can give freely and generously to support the work of a church that's proclaiming something you believe in. And that's what our campaign is about and why we call it a not a stewardship campaign campaign. It's about generosity and excitement. You'll be hearing more about stewardship over the next few weeks. We'll be recording and releasing some videos. You'll be hearing member testimonials in church. But all the while, I'd like you to be thinking and praying about financially supporting the work of Grace Church. There's a box back there on the table. If you'd like to fill out a pledge card right now, that's great. But we're also going to have a formal in-gathering of pledges during the service on November 12th, a special time during church where we all come forward and make our annual pledge, our offerings to God. So, what have I said this morning? Um, In sum, I'm not going to repeat everything. I feel like we made, thanks be to God, good headway on our goals for 2023. In 2024, we'll keep doing what we've been doing, relentlessly continuing to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ in word and sacrament. If you're excited about that, I hope you'll pray about an amount of money that God might be leading you to pledge to that work over the next year. And if you aren't a member of this church, I hope you'll pray about joining. It's a great privilege to be your pastor. I know I say something like this every year, but it's hard for me to believe that Almighty God would task me with this calling. It's more than I can imagine, but it is the great joy of my life to be uh, the elder, the leader of this church. And... um, And I can't think of anything that I want to do more than this, except perhaps to pray. So I hope you'll pray with me now. Dear God, we pray for this church. We pray as we did before and as we will do whenever we gather that you will lead us, that you will speak to us. You promised that your word would go out and bring back fruit, that it would not return to you empty, that it would water the earth We are so grateful that some of that watering happens in our lives and through our work. May our wills be conformed to yours so that your purposes might be accomplished through us. Be with this church. Make it a city on a hill, a beacon of your good news to the world. Pray all of this in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Rolinda. Thank you, Nick. I'm not sure I have anything left to say. No. <laughs> we are certainly moving along in our mission to proclaim Christ's finished work to this worn-out world. And the priorities that Nick has laid out for us for the coming year will help us continue to do that. But as we look back on the past year and ahead to the future, I'd like to focus on all the blessings that we have to be thankful for. And um, after being elected to the Grace Steering Committee way back in June 2018 with Rebecca, and then serving on our founding vestry together for five years, 
I'm thankful that she and I get to hand over those duties. <laughs> Seriously, though, it's been a joy to serve on the vestry for these five years, and I'm excited that we're going to be electing three leaders who weren't part of the initial founding of Grace. It's a good sign of our health as a parish that new people join the church and assume leadership roles and minister to the rest of us. I'm of course very thankful for our rector, Nick. Some of you may not know that five years ago he left the Episcopal Church to be our rector, not really knowing whether he was going to receive the ACNA's blessing to become a church planting rector. Uh, they said, yes, you can join the ACNA, but unless you get the green light, you can't come here. Um, so that was an amazing leap of faith, and, and I am so pleased that he is our rector. I know I've been blessed by his preaching, his leadership, the way he is very intentional about getting to know every one of us who comes here, and the way he's focused on keeping the gospel front and center in all we do. We're also blessed by our other clergy, Jacob, David, and Todd, as they teach, celebrate Eucharist, and provide pastoral care to our members. Nick mentioned the Cranmer Fellows, and it's very exciting that we have our first, essentially, homegrown seminarian, Miguel, Zachary Miguel, who's attending Trinity Seminary now. And coincidentally, one of our founding members, members way back five years ago, Alonzo Crawford, who left Louisville about four years ago for a librarian position at the University of Alabama, has made his way as a, seminary, a seminarian at Neshota House. So he and uh, Zach are basically going through the same thing at uh, two different seminaries. Now, as we have moved from school to school till we were arrived here at Highlands Latin School, we've needed more and more cafeteria tables and more and more chairs now to accommodate all the people who come here to hear the good news. What a blessing it is to greet the people the Lord sends to grace and to welcome them into this church family. In a couple weeks, our bishop will confirm and receive 13 people. Over the past year, our clergy have baptized 14 people. And since y'all keep getting married, having babies, I think those numbers should continue to, to rise over the coming years. I'm thankful for this worship space. It's a blessing to be in a Christian school that shares our faith and our worldview, and to know that the rent we pay advances Christ's kingdom in the school. We're constantly looking for church properties for sale, but not because this isn't a great place to meet and to worship. In the meantime, as renters, we have less fixed expenses, and we've been able to respond to mission opportunities outside our budget as needs arise. Um, you know, some churches, they, there will be needs, and they say, well, we don't have it in the budget. Um, and every time that happens here, we're able to pivot and say, yeah, we can do that. We, we have the money. One of those unbudgeted needs this year was the launch of our catechesis of the Good Shepherd curriculum 
for our three to six-year-olds. We originally wanted to offer this to children up to age eight, but we have too many of them and they wouldn't fit. I'm so thankful that Whitney Neal and Katie Piercy volunteered to attend the extensive training, um, and that training is ongoing, and that you and the parish help pay for some of the classroom items and the furniture so we can teach our youngest me members about Jesus, their good shepherd, through this Montessori-type curriculum. If you get a chance to help out in that class or to observe them, I'm sure that your heart will be touched like mine was when I watched a sample lesson. The Lord has truly blessed this church, and I want to thank him for all of you and the ways you support this parish. I'm thankful for those of you who make the coffee and the cookies and set up the chairs, run the soundboard and the live stream, and sing praises to the Lord. I'm thankful for you, those of you who help in the nursery, teach and help with children, and lead Bible studies for youth and adults. I'm thankful for those of you who help with the meal trains, cook for the fellowship events, faithfully pray for all of us, offer friendship to refugees, invite your friends to church, and invite church people into your homes. Thank you for all the ways that you work and pray and give to advance Christ's kingdom here and beyond. I'd like to close with a prayer for the local congregation that's found in our prayer book. O oh God, the Holy Spirit, sanctifier of the faithful, Sanctify this congregation by your abiding presence. Bless those who minister in holy things. Enlighten the minds of your people more and more with the light of the everlasting gospel. Bring erring souls to the knowledge of our Savior Jesus Christ. And those who are walking in the way of life, keep steadfast to the end. Give patience to the sick and afflicted and renew them in body and soul. Guard those who are strong and prosperous from forgetting you. Increase in us your many gifts of grace and make us all fruitful in good works. This we ask, O blessed Spirit, whom with the Father and the Son we worship and glorify. One God, world without end. Amen. Okay, thanks, Rolinda. I'll wait to get started going through this until everybody's got one, but I'll just say this will be by far the shortest piece. Um, as Rolinda and Nick alluded to, we've been very blessed since starting this church five years ago, and one of those blessings is that we're in strong financial shape, so it's pretty easy to go through these numbers. If my part is the longest part, that means we have a problem. Everybody's got one? All right, so as you can see here, I mean, similar to prior years, uh, we are you know, ahead of budget in, in a good way year to date. We have slightly more uh, pledged and unpledged offerings that have come in year to date uh, than we had expected. We budget at 90% uh, of the pledged offerings. I'd expect those numbers to sort of pick up into the end of the year. They typically do. 
Um, but even if they were to not, we're in, we're in fine shape there. In terms of our expenses overall, um, those are also just slightly ahead of, i.e. under uh, what, we had, what we had budgeted. So you'll see there that nets out to, you know, we're $20,000 ahead of budget for, uh, for the year-to-date period. That's in line with where we've been the last few years. Um, actually a little behind where we've been the last few years. I think we've been kind of 50 to 90,000 ahead the last few years. But as I, as I said, I'd expect um, pledges to kind of pick up into year end. Um, there's a couple one-off items on the expense side that um, are off from what we had budgeted for. One's children's ministry. Recall um, the, um, the nursery was, was closed for a period, so we obviously weren't paying employees during that period. Uh, so that is, is an area where we'll come in ahead of budget for the year. Going forward, as Rolinda mentioned, people keep having babies. So uh, that's a good thing, and we'll probably need to hire more uh, folks there at some point. Um, printing costs, we had we had, had uh, a period there where we'd had to, Southern Seminary was closed, and so we'd had to use a more expensive printing option. Um, and so that caused a little cost overrun there, but we've recently found a much more cost-effective uh, printer, so that's gonna come down going forward. Not a lot to talk about otherwise. Um, I'm happy to take any questions or Nick can close us in prayer, but I'd say, you know, we're in, we're in a strong position financially um, and, you know, we continue to work hard to, to be good stewards of, of the capital that you all have, have given us given the church. Going once. <laughs> All right. Thank you, John. Thank you. Um, I do have a couple. Um, I wonder, uh, gosh, Rolanda, you're the only one of our rotating off Vestry members who are here today. Unfortunately, Rebecca had to get ready for the Highlands Latin School hayride and um, I don't see James here this morning, but I did want to say, as I said in my remarks earlier, we have three vestry nominees that we're going to elect to our three open vestry positions. We'll be doing that election by acclamation, so just a round of applause. Um, but before we elect Marcia, Allison, and Mark to replace Rolinda, Rebecca, and James, I wanted to take just a moment to thank them, even though Rolinda's the only one physically here, you all should hear um, my thank you to Rolinda, Rebecca, and James for their service. Rolinda has been invested in Anglicanism in Louisville since before Grace Anglican Church was a twinkle in anyone's eye. Uh, she serves uh, with the American Anglican Council, which is an organization committed to building Great Commission Anglican churches in North America and worldwide through developing faithful leaders, equipping local congregations, and always reforming the church. I was following the work of the AAC before I even went to seminary. Uh, Rolinda has been a deep well of wisdom for both me personally and for Grace as a parish church. When questions arose, Rolinda always seemed to know what to do. It's my prayer that she'll continue in that wisdom-dispensing role, even as she leaves the vestry after five full years of service. Um, Rebecca Bora, uh, her family has left now too. They were here for most of this meeting. No, you're gonna have to tell her how awesome she is. 
Um, she was also elected to that founding vestry before I was even called to be the pastor of this church. From the very start, she took it upon herself to coordinate the search for worship space. It's due to her determination and diligence that we never went one single week without a good place to worship our Lord. We worshiped outdoors in a park exactly once. And even when I got a phone call on a Saturday afternoon that Wilder Elementary School was going to be unavailable that next morning, we made church happen. And Rebecca is a huge part of that. Now, she is the daughter of a pastor. And so she knows for good and for ill how the church sausage is made. And she has also, therefore, been able to be a great encouragement to me. Uh, James Kaninenbelt wasn't on the founding vestry, but came on very shortly after we launched. Uh, he filled the slot that Michael Neal was forced to vacate when we made him full-time staff. Um, James is the kind of guy who, after listening quietly to a table full of people hemming and hawing about something, will patiently wait until everyone has said their piece and then say, what I'm hearing is, and then just say what all the rest of us were trying and failing to say. James has pushed me to be clear, not to shy away from difficult topics and questions, and to be a better leader for this church. In fact, all three of them, I was going to say you, but again, you're the only one here. All three of them, in their own individual ways, have helped me to be the leader I am today, humbled to serve as the rector of this wonderful church. I could go on and on, and I'm tempted to. Uh, but to fice, suffice it to say that Rolinda, Rebecca, and James were, were and are strong bricks in the foundation of this church, a foundation that we are building on even now. And to recognize that truth, I have a gift here for each of them. Rolinda, why don't you come, come up here? It is, this is probably a surprise to fewer people now, it's an actual brick, and it is engraved, Grace Anglican Church founded 2018. So... I've got one here for all, all three of them, but thank you so much. Well, I'm too. <laughs> thank you. Um, I pray that every time you look at the brick, God will remind you of the good work he has done through you and how much we appreciate you. So thank you very much. So our election, the last thing we have to do this morning, the nominating committee has put three nominees before you. Marsha Harlow, Allison Piquet, and Mark Compton to fill three open vestry positions. Will all in favor of electing them please applaud? Thank you very much. We are finished. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we do ask you to continue to pour out your blessings upon this, your church. Encourage us where we are on your path, redirect us where we are not. Remind us of our work to proclaim Jesus, to make disciples, to further your kingdom in this world. Take our lives and make them new so that this church can be a place where lives are made new. We ask this in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.